0: It's Brian Preston, the money guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy.
1: So the sun is shining down here on the south side of Atlanta today.
0: I, I think we touched 80 degrees today, I think. Now, sun out... Buys out? Is that what you said this morning? Oh, my goodness, Brian. You you couldn't have murdered that anymore. <laughs> what is it? It's skies out, buys out, or... or Thighs out. Or, or thighs out, or suns out, guns out. That's how we like to say Suns out, guns
1: out. As you can tell, we've had such a dreadful winter, and I know everybody up in the north is going, if those guys think that that is dreadful, they ought to see what we're dealing with. And touche, I agree with you, but we're kind of soft down here on the weather... As you remember from the great polar vortex extravaganza that we had on on Interstate 75 and 85, which made national media for a few weeks. So so give us a little break on that. But this is The Money Guy Show. I'm your host, Brian Preston. Sitting across from me, I guess I can now officially call it the Bo Host, since that's what you did, a guest appearance on another podcast, and I thought that was very clever that they called you the Bo Host. Um, Mr. Bo Hansen, who's a CFA as well as a CFP. I'm also a CPA and a CFP. And what we're going to be talking about today is what you should know about your parents' financial situation and how this all came about. I had a great phone call with a podcast listener yesterday. yesterday. It was Chad and, and his wife and and I asked them at the end of the phone call. It went really well. I was trying to give them some some feedback on how they could get themselves in better financial in a better financial situation. They also brought up their parents, and it was kind of a package deal. On I knew their questions were going to both be about their situation as well as their parents. And I asked him at the end. I said, you know, hey, we're about to record a podcast tomorrow. We're trying to figure out the the topic. You, you guys have any suggestions? or something you want us to cover? Because y'all obviously you know big fans. Didn't have a lot there, but then they sent us an email, follow up with some information we had asked them for, and this was their suggestion. I was like, well, duh. I mean, that's what we just had an entire conversation on. on. So to put it all together, this is going to be a great topic. Um, before we get into that, I did want to tell you, I-, I want to talk about briefly, Consumer Reports just came out. It came out in my mail, mailbox probably two days ago. It rated all your utility providers. I was super impressed to see the uma who i was just bragging about that i cut my cord i no longer have the the traditional telephone provider uma rated as number one and i gotta tell you i'm super happy with my uma services well i get nothing for telling you that other than i save probably 40 to 50 bucks a month so if you haven't checked out that and you can port your phone number really cool stuff uh Check out the – did I already give the website, Bo? No, I don't think you have. It's money-guy.com. You can also go to our website if you want to download all the social media content because we're also on Twitter as well as Facebook. As well as register for the free membership, which gets you two additional episodes of The Money Guy Show. Sign up for the premium membership. You get all the way back to 2006. We load you up as well as giving you the quarterly commentary. But I wanted to kind of jump in and let you, before we got into talking about your aging parents and opportunities that all of our listeners would be considering as, as they're the adults who have to help make some of these big decisions. There's been a lot of buzz in the financial industry about this high-frequency trading. Well,
0: and it, it's and, even it's even bled outside of the financial industry. The, now it's in mainstream. Uh, I, there was a 60 Minutes piece that, if you haven't watched it, very, very educational. It's only about 14 minutes long, kind of explaining what's going on. And then even the very next day, they had the author of this book uh, on the Today Show. So this has found its way to permeate throughout Main Street. And so a lot of people have been asking us, hey, is this a big deal? Is this something we should be worried about? And essentially what's happened... Is this guy, Michael Lewis, has written this book called Flash Boys. And it's talking about what high-frequency trading is, the story behind it, um, how they sort of game the system to make a profit, and sort of how it all works. And, and this is what bothers me about the way the media has done this. Have you seen what the headline has been? For every single story you've seen (laughs) that has anything to do with this?
1: It makes me roll my eyes every time. It's always something to the effect of, is the stock market rigged?
0: And it's so ridiculous. So, so ridiculous. Um, I won't get into the details, but essentially what's happening is there are people who have these very, very fast computers that are able to put in trades that operate at just fractions of a millisecond faster than everyone else. So essentially what they're able to do is through these writing these algorithms and stuff, they're able to buy and sell faster than everyone else on the market can buy or sell, which gives them a competitive advantage of a few milliseconds. So for the average investor, we're talking about fractions of a penny per trade if you're being front-run by these people. Um, but when you do that across millions and millions of trades over days and days and days, we're talking about billions of dollars here, hundreds and hundreds it's of millions whole, of it's dollars.
1: It's the whole Lex Luthor Plot. That's I can't exactly remember if right. it was Superman two or three, where you had I think it was Richard Pryor and others, but it, he was going to try to skim off a penny off of all the financial transactions. right You had. We were talking about this, Bo, the other day, and you said, though, hey, long term investors, not that big of a deal. I mean, any additional insight? No, on that's that exactly. So
0: the first thing I did is I wanted to go say once I saw this, I was like, okay, what's Warren say about it? What's Charlie say about it? And there's a really good interview from Charlie Munger he did a few years ago about high-frequency trading that Warren actually just came and commented on in the past few weeks. And essentially what they're saying is if you're a long-term investor, this doesn't really have a a ton of effect. You know, is it something that's going to hurt you? Yeah, maybe you might be losing a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a penny on your trade, but you shouldn't be trading all the time anyways. If you're someone who buys a good company at a good price... You don't really care what's happening with the intraday transactions with it.
1: The good news is this reminds me, I don't think it's I think it was much as a bigger deal when it was found out that hedge funds in the past were getting to buy and sell mutual funds after the market had closed. They were being able to come in and put deals together and it was, you know, it's that's shooting fish in a barrel because you know whether the markets are up or down and they were making huge profits at the expense of the average investor. This, to a degree, is somewhat similar because it is at the expense of the other investors because of the technology. But the good news, I always like to say, let's look at it from the glass half full standpoint. We've got a lot of attention on this issue right now. A lot of people looking at it. You've got the regulators that have been woken up. They know what's going on. There's a whole big dialogue and conversation. So I I, I think you've done a great job going over it. But I'd also tell people, think long-term, big picture – this is not something that should keep you from having an investment plan. Certainly not. It's just not the, the most appropriate thing. I was reading something this morning where I was talking about, you know, don't get scared. Make sure you're doing the right things for your portfolio. And one of them is if you get scared of every little thing that makes you not want to be in the stock market or in investments, that's ridiculous. It's just like nobody likes going to the dentist. I mean, I, every time I go to the dentist and they turn on that high-frequency cleaner because nobody just does it with the buffer anymore. They now have to have some annoying high-frequency thing that's supposedly knocking off more tartar plaque. I don't know what it's knocking off, but it drives me crazy. But I know I need to go every few months to be healthy in the long term. And it's the same thing with your portfolio. I want you to have a mix of all asset classes. But stocks are going to be a big part of that for the long-term growth because when you buy into equities, you're essentially buying into the future prosperity of whatever area you're you're buying into, so just keep that in mind. as completely off topic to what we're about to talk about, but I think it's it's great advice just to keep you on point so you can get to that that goal that we're all working towards of getting to financial independence. Now today's topic, kind of morbid. I don't know, not morbid. No, no, but no.
0: I don't think so. Because what it's it, not a,
1: it's not something that I think people are comfortable talking sure. about. I mean, this is definitely something that it's it's uncomfortable because we're we've talked about it so many times money in general is a taboo subject so you add to that now you've got that you got relatives talking about money you've really amped up the complexity of it as well as the uncomfortableness because you don't like to talk to random strangers about money how are you go talk to your relatives about money right i i mean i can tell you me and my, my wife and i we've made financial decisions she sometimes she's like is there any way we can make sure our parents don't know that that we have this going right. on. I mean, right. I know that sounds horrible, and fortunately, my in laws don't listen to the show. But it's it's it is. I know what that squeamish feeling is because your your finances seem you want them private. Right. But I think it's important. I'm going to go through the steps. You as a child, an adult child, well, that makes you know, as an adult who has a parent,
0: or has aging parents,
1: or if you're the parent that's getting a little older. These are the things maybe you need to flip the conversation around, and y'all need to kind of do these things with your personal finances. The first thing, start the conversation. And what I mean by that when I say start the conversation, I want everybody to kind of know the desires of your parents. And I I, I take this from health care all the way to even uh, the funeral. I mean, things can get very complicated but man, does it make this journey and transition so much easier if you plan ahead. Um, you're going to want to find out the health care and the life-saving measures they do and do not want. That's why when we talk about wills, we talk about health care directives. You need to know what type of measures your family members right. want to go to protect themselves and, and continue life.
0: And And as a parent, if you can tell your children that before it gets to that point... It really does take a lot of, of, of stress and even dissension amongst siblings or other family members. If you go ahead and explicitly say, this is what I want, you don't have to worry about them bickering and fighting over, oh, is this really what mom
1: and dad wanted? And perfect transition point, because the next point is also, who's going to handle your finances or your decision-making? I'm talking about not only your financial, but your healthcare decisions, if you're incapacitated. Right. So, because you, you nailed it, Bo. If you have siblings or even aunts and uncles— that have a caring interest in this family member, it's better if while this person's you know healthy and you know still having you know having a good time at the family reunions, if you can have these dialogue and conversations before bad stuff happens. Also, talk about what they have. This is the whole squeamish thing I was talking about. You need to know their assets. Right. A lot of these goals are not going to be fulfilled unless you understand a, a good accounting or a net worth statement of where you are with your relatives. And then make sure your other siblings are involved. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, we've now said that two to three times. Very important that open dialogue is involved in this entire process. So I want to now talk about, because this is you guys listening to a financial podcast puts you in a completely different level in the food chain of personal financial decision makers than anybody else out there, because you're actually seeking out, you know, information on how to be better stewards with your resources. And that's why I say you need to be the rock of your family. And when I talk about being the rock of your family, what I mean is I want you to be the member of your family that has the resources that you can be that backstop if one of your family members needs it. Now, that does not mean I want to make sure I, I kind of put this in the right, you know, frame this in the right way. That does not mean I want you to be guaranteeing the loan of all your your crazy siblings or or aunts and uncles who have done such poor jobs with their finances that they want you to co-sign on all their cars and everything else. That's not what I'm talking about when I want you to be the rock for your family to provide resources. But if you have, if you've been able to save a decent amount of money, you're, you've got that healthy addiction of saving for the future like I've always talked about, and you're the one that your parents get into a bind, and they can't, pay for basic necessities and things like that. I don't want you to be that backstop for right. it. I mean, these are the people that have provided so much for you all through your life as a support system. This is your time to kind of give back. Now there is a caveat to that. Just as I tell you guys, do not leverage your retirement and take away your future success by by using retirement assets to pay for juniors college. I don't want you using This taking all of your retirement where you now jeopardize retirement by fixing your parents' long-term care needs. So there's a healthy balance there. I know I just basically told you to walk a tightrope by, you know, don't use all of your resources to help your parents. But in the same conversation, I also talked about be that backstop. I think there is a healthy balance there that you can you can kind of walk and figure out.
0: And well, you said an analogy in show prep, Brian, we're talking about essentially if you want to be uh, an asset or help, able to help with your family members, you kind of need to be on a firm foundation yourself. It's much easier to save someone if you're on firm ground and they're in quicksand than if you're both in quicksand. Yeah, the,
1: the example I, that we were talking about, because I, th- I think this is a perfect thing for you to kind of get the visual of, When I did a lifeguard training, I know you look at me now and you go, that guy was a lifeguard? Yeah, I mean, with my pasty white skin from being a CPA for, you know, the 20 years.
0: Natural David Hasselhoff. At some
1: point, I was a lifeguard back in college. And one of the the things that we were trained when we go through lifeguard training is that you never approach somebody who's in trouble directly straight on. Because if you do, they'll drown you. You always want to come up behind them to grab them, get to safety, put them on your hip, and then swim to safety It's the same thing when you've got somebody drowning financially. If you just try to throw all of your resources to help them out without having a plan of action yourself, you very well could get taken out just like they're going down. And that helps no one. You're no longer the rock for your family. You're the one that is going down just like they are. So that's why I say have a plan. Don't jeopardize your long-term success, but do you know, make sure you're the one in, in out of your siblings, out of your family members that can provide that extra bit. Let's talk about long-term care insurance. Long-term care insurance is one of those concepts that has not been around forever. And, and the reason is, is that we didn't live as long. Right. I was doing some data, medieval times. Bo, do you, how long do you think the average person, what was the life expectancy during medieval times?
0: I'm going to guess, you know, 50, 40, 50 years old, something like that. Really? I, dude, I have no idea. I'm not a history
1: guy. <laughs> is it much less? Is it like remember, 20 years old? This is the time. Medieval times. Now, I'm probably going to show that I don't know what I'm talking about. Isn't that gladiator times and stuff like that? You know, we've got all these movies with you know, thinking, Spartans oh, no, no, and no, so I'm, forth.
0: Medieval times like Renaissance, right? Like the big turkey legs. Anyway, we
1: better stop before we get ourselves in trouble. In the fi- you know, remember, we're good with finances, everybody. <laughs> but 30 is the answer I'm looking oh, for. Wow. You could live to be 30 wow. was the life expectancy back during medieval times. United States of America, 1900. What do you think the life expectancy was? Uh, I'm going to go with 40 years old again. Yeah, see, you have sure stuck with your original. It's a 46, oh, so okay, mid-40s. And you weren't far off. Now, we're pretty close to 80 years old. That's crazy. Do you see how just in 100 years, medical science has changed the way things are? Very rarely in the mid-1900s did you even have people dying from heart failure. You know, you didn't see a lot of heart attacks and because something else was taking them out, some right. disease or or something was you know completely they catch something you know it's not like that anymore because of medical science we now are struggling through more longevity issues and that's where you have the Alzheimer's and other things that can take away your mental ability but your body still functions right so you've got to make sure you you have some plan of action so let us give you now i have to give you some disclaimer because we do remember this is an entertainment show we don't know your personal situation we don't know what finances you have So I can only give you really generalized advice on this, and this is a very personalized subject here when I talk about long-term care. But I can give you some basic guidance and tell you we talk to people in generalities about the donut hole planning method with long-term care. And what I mean by the donut hole is that there's really there's three groups of people. There's people that have assets below a million dollars, there's people who have assets between one to three million dollars and there's people who have assets over three million dollars so the the very wealthy that are over three million they go self-insure right no reason to go buy you know long-term care insurance or unless you just want to you know buy away all of your risk and you have the right to do that there's nothing wrong with that but you do have the assets that you probably could self-insure um, unless you you want to go a different direction if you're below a million dollars, Yes, you have resources, but there's a chance that you could do some Medicaid planning.
0: Well, just and, the cost and, of the the cost of the insurance doesn't make as much sense at that point.
1: because it, it, it could have an impact on your retirement and and that success of that one to three million. You're kind of in that sweet spot to where I think it does. You want to protect those assets, and and believe me, this is very subjective, but it's something you can consider and you know talk to somebody who's you you trust is a good insurance specialist to kind of walk you through that but i don't think long term care insurance is a bad thing with some of the things we're facing as a country where people are living longer and longer i know i've had that discussion with my own mother and she has a long-term care insurance.
0: Generally speaking, Brian, if you're if you're either an older individual or your parents are older, when's kind of the right time you should start thinking about or looking at long-term care insurance?
1: I like people looking at it really in their mid-fifties. Okay, I think you know uh, that's that's a good kickoff point. There's nothing wrong with looking at it, you know, after that. But the reason I say mid-fifties is that typically most people in their mid-fifties are still somewhat healthy, so underwriting's not going to be as hard for them because you know how insurance is. Insurance is like banks and getting loans is that if you need a loan at the bank, they typically don't want to give you one. It's the same thing. If you already have some bad medical issues, they're not going to want to give you insurance. So it's better to hit these issues when it's still a sunny day outside, when things are still good. So that's why I say mid-50s is typically a good time. Now, if you are one of these interesting people that you know you have tremendous family history of some problems – that there's a higher likelihood that you're going to have underwriting problems when you get in your 50s. Maybe you need to look at it earlier. Um, so th- there's you know there's things that are personalized that could change that, that answer. Um, I also tell families transitioning from long-term care to Medicare, not Medicaid, because Medicaid is what's going to help you if you are pretty much at the poverty level that can provide some assistance on the long-term care. But transitioning to Medicare, what Medicare is, is, you know, that's your hospital coverage, your doctor coverage, your prescription drugs. That's what everybody talks about. And a lot of people are confused and they think, hey, I only need Medicare plan A and B. And what A is, that's your hospitals, your home health care, and your hospice. And then B is your doctor. So a lot of people wrongly think, that's all I need. I'll just get A and B and I'll be fine on Medicare. I think what it, just generalized advice is I would have people look at both Medicare as well as the Medigap coverage. That's all the things that are excluded from that Parts A and B, as well as add the prescription drug. That way you're kind of completely covered from a 360-degree angle on what you might need when your parents are in that full retirement and you know, and have a basic understanding on what those issues are. Um, and, Bo, this kind of ties into what you had already talked about. I think you need to start having family discussions to avoid future conflict, right. and I, I speak from a position of actually losing a, a, a parent. You know, I, I've talked to many people about it. It's one of those things that has helped shape my life. I lost my father when he was only fifty-five years of age, and and it. I will tell you, it's made me a stronger financial advisor because I can talk about this from the personal standpoint. I think when you have to to ask your loved ones if you want to avoid the conflict. Go ahead and start talking about those special keepsakes. It's not usually the big assets. Big assets take care of themselves usually through the wills or through beneficiary designations. You don't see people fighting about the the splitting up of an IRA as much as you do the the football the, the game football maybe, you know, your father got when he was in college. Right. I mean, that was, you know, or the special chair that's been passed down through two generations, or that ring or that necklace that two or three daughters in a family want. Those are the things... Or
0: pictures. Pictures is another big one.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of keepsakes that really have no monetary value. But if you don't have those conversations beforehand, and I think as a parent, you know, I would be concerned about this, you could ruin the legacy of of your children... Talking for, for decades. I mean, you see stuff like that happen all the time. So I would say start those family discussions now to understand, take an inventory. If you are the person designing this, or if you're the, the child of a, of, of an aging parent, have those discussions so you understand what needs to be solved in the, uh, you know, with dealing with those sentimental assets. Also talk about caretaking responsibilities. It's not uncommon that there'll be a, a, an adult child that lives near the aging parent, and then there might be other children that live somewhere else in the country. And you need to have an open dialogue while everybody's healthy so that, you know, there's a clear understanding. There's no resentment over who's the caretaker, because that caretaker might really resent that the other one's not buying in or helping as much. And I tell you, there's ways to offset that. You know, if there's, and that's why you need to have the discussion. There's nothing wrong, I think, if you're the person that lives out of town and you have a sibling that's actually taking care of the o- older parents with you helping out that 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 sibling with some finances, maybe right. for their travel expenses or for some of the things to help offset the time they're putting into it. These are all things that, that need to be discussed so that you don't have those unfortunate conflicts or fights, those family brawls that you hear about people talking about for decades after a loved one passes away. Um, I also want to talk about elder abuse. A few examples that I can personally talk about. My own grandmother and grandfather were robbed of over ten dollars to $15,000 that we know of from a caretaker. Um, elder abuse occurs often and all the time. And it is so unfortunate, so bad that there's even been laws that have been passed to try to go after people from taking advantage of older people. But we had, you know, but there's so much, especially if you have an, uh, a family member that's out of town. You you hire a caretaker. You try to be as good as possible about hiring this caretaker. Truthfully, you don't. It doesn't matter how good your background checks are. There are people that will take advantage of people at their most innocent and vulnerable state. Right. And it's just it's just, it's horrible. Um, so I know my own grandmother and grandfather were taken advantage of. I've also had another financial advisor who shared with me that they had a family that they were working with that had a an older client who had hired a caretaker and then a group came in and convinced this caretaker we don't know you know there's no way to verify if the caretaker was paid off but essentially the gentleman sold some very good land at a extremely discounted below market value price because he just you know he was not with everything but you know it's it's Legally, he could still do it because the family never took away his ability to make those decisions. And I can understand why. Who wants to go to your parents and say, I think you've gotten to the point. You don't no longer need to be making financial judgment decisions. You don't need a checkbook. You don't need to be signing off. I'm going to be the one that now makes all those decisions for you. That's going to go over horribly. Right. I mean, that's why nobody likes to have those discussions is because that's a conflict waiting to happen. And that's what opens up that door for those, those, crooks i mean just horrible deplorable people that come in and take advantage of of people like that so you you've got to be careful that i also remind people recent widows particularly are at a disadvantage if they have not been the one handling the financial resources of the family and 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 that person who was handling the resources passes away that widow is probably at a big disadvantage Mm -hmm. and 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 a sitting target um I wanted to give you some, some hints and clues on things to look for so you'd know to, to kind of clues that, hey, maybe maybe my family member is being abused or, or needs to, we need to do something by like get a financial power of attorney or take away some of the decision-making on the finances. And here's a few of the clues. Sudden changes in bank accounts or banking practice, including an unexplained withdrawal of a large sum by a person accompanying the elder, elder, elderly person. You also got inclusion of additional names on the bank signature card. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is these are these are things where people do this stuff all the time. Unauthorized withdrawal of funds using the ATM. Big quick changes in a will or other financial documents. Unexplained disappearance of funds or valuable possessions. That was that's the other thing. We never know with a caretaker. We don't know how much jewelry was taken as well. I mean, that right. stuff, it's easy to take that type of stuff. Substandard care being provided or bills unpaid despite the availability of funds. Sudden appearance of previously uninvolved relatives claiming rights to the elders' affairs and possessions. You see that stuff. I mean, that, that happens all the time. Unexplained sudden transfer of assets to a family member or someone outside of the family. I just talked about that one. I've seen real-life example. Provision of services that are not necessary. And then the elders' report of financial exploitation. And, and and I'll tell you one of the things that I've also seen in everyday practice it's not uncommon for people as they get older they start getting I mean I get them all the time too you know charities are always asking for 10 20 bucks you know especially if you've ever given in the past they'll put you on a mailing list and I, I think they share that mailing list you'll be asked for every charity you know within a you know all 50 states. Right. It's not uncommon for elder elderly people to start writing checks Every one of those things, because they look at them as almost bills. It's also not uncommon to see elderly people buying stuff off the 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 TV show, the QVCs, and getting kind of crazy with that type of stuff. These are all things that you need to be very aware of to make sure that you're you're getting on the front end of it and helping your family make make those good financial decisions. I, I know today's topic probably not the 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 most jovial especially after we talked about last the two weeks ago we did a show on how to save two or three hundred bucks and just a few phone calls i love those type of phone call those type of shows because they really get it anytime you can save a little additional money put it in your back pocket to save for the future those are exciting but i'll tell you what some of the most valuable things we have to do are the hardest things we have to do so if you hung in there thank you so much for listening to the money guy show We hope that this type of information will help you at least start start those conversations so that these heavy conversations can lead you to a better financial situation so that you and your family don't get caught in a bad situation that I think many, many people, unfortunately, find themselves in all too often. So I'm your host, Brian Preston. We'll be back in about two weeks. By the way, next week's spring break for us, so I'm going to be sailing around on a Royal Caribbean ship. Bo, you going to be anywhere?
0: I'm gonna be. My wife tells me we're gonna be to beach somewhere. I don't know what beach or where, but we'll be there somewhere.
1: You could be down in Panama City.
0: Probably not Panama City, but who knows? Maybe <laughs> we get crazy. Who knows?
1: <laughs> Go check us out. It's money dot com. You can also write the show. I'm your host Brian Preston. It's b r i a n at money dot com. You can also write my co-host, Mr. Bo Hanson, at bo at money-guy.com, and we'll talk to you in about two weeks.
0: The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast.